ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk All Around Sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 90th ever show of All Around Sports. Each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. Well... I'm back from the Super Bowl week in New Orleans, and just in time for the Boston blizzard of 2013, uh, the flakes are already falling, it just started to stick, and uh, again, so, coming down here, snow is in the air and panic is in the streets, literally. I was out in my small town of Medfield, Massachusetts this morning, and gas lines, traffic jams. Uh, all of it. So, <laughs> should be an interesting weekend. We're expecting uh, 30 inches and 70 mile an hour winds. So, uh, luckily, my show, uh, my show here, uh, will be over by the time it really gets heated up here in the next few hours. And uh, so, I look forward to talking sports with you as I do every week. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from the past week. Also in a few minutes, we'll be joined by our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. Well, as my loyal listeners know, all of you, we broadcast live from Radio Row in the New Orleans Convention Center last Friday at this time, uh, which was spectacular. Nothing like Radio Row on Friday before the Super Bowl. Uh, the stars come out big time. Um, so, no surprise, my highlight of the week was being in New Orleans, of course, during all of Super Bowl weekend, specifically since my last show, Super Bowl weekend. Uh, watched the game in the French Quarter uh, with a friend who secured an upstairs... Uh, great viewing table, uh, with a balcony overlooking Bourbon Street, so, uh, as good as it gets, and, uh, high energy, crowded, but not packed, you could breathe, and it was just really, uh, you know, and all we had to do was walk five feet to the balcony, and we were overlooking Bourbon Street, need I say more, uh, crush of people. It was uh, just a spectacular way to watch the Super Bowl. And it was even better, quite frankly, uh, when, the, when the blackout occurred, giving the game itself uh, the all-time moniker of the blackout bowl. It was weird sitting there in New, in New Orleans with the power going out in the Superdome right up the street. Uh, so I can only imagine what it must have been like being in the Superdome. Talked to some people. They said it was all, they all said, pretty freaky. 
Um, I was at the Super Bowl 11 years ago when the Patriots beat the Rams 10 rows from the top of the Superdome. High up, but I was in uh, around the 40-yard line. So, all in all, good seats. I was in the house. All I can say is I'll never forget leaving the stadium with the glow of the Patriots winning the Super Bowl, but also just going down those ramps. And I, I can't imagine what it would have been like had there been really like uh, a need for a mass exit, what have you. Fortunately, none of that occurred. I was in the Superdome on Tuesday of last week for media day. And again, uh, that's what I instantly thought of when the power went out. And again, just literally being in the city of New Orleans, when that happened at the Superdome, everybody was just a little bit like, uh, you know, edgy. <laughs> it's an edgy city. And, uh, it went well with the, again, ultra high energy, um, that was in the city all week long, but certainly during the Super Bowl. I mean, uh, you know, I walked all around the Superdome, uh, hours before the game. There was lines were forming. I was at the NFL headquarters hotel right down the street from the Superdome. And I walked all around, you know, at like what? 11 noon, four or five hours before kickoff. And, you know, there's just nothing like it. It was just fabulous soaking up the atmosphere, the energy. And, you know, the fact that the Superdome is right in downtown New Orleans, I can't speak highly enough of how easy that makes everything. Everything's within walking distance. You know, after I finished walking around beautiful weather around the Superdome, soaking it all in, you know, I just... Headed over to the French Quarter. No big deal. 15, 10, 10 minute walk, if that. So, here's one vote for having as many Super Bowls in New Orleans as possible, if not, frankly, having everyone there. Uh, again, being able to walk everywhere is a gigantic differentiator. The weather was fabulous, and New Orleans is New Orleans. Need I say more? The people were great, and I thought it was a great week. Um, so, uh, it was just, again, wonderful to be down there. I feel very fortunate. And uh, let me just jump, since it was down there, to my event of the week, which was Saturday, which was my fourth or fifth in a row, uh, the Saturday before the Super Bowl, uh, attending the player networking event, uh, which was at... Uh, uh, at a hotel at the Sheraton in downtown New Orleans on Canal Street, uh, right in the heart of things. And basically, it's a great event uh, held every year. And of course, Voice America, uh, who, who uh, you're listening to right now, uh, has a major, major presence there every year. We broadcast live for four hours uh, with uh, Charles Tillman, uh, excellent. CBS sports broadcaster being a headliner and doing a lot of broadcasting live from, uh, from New Orleans last week. And, uh, Charles had also done it the year before. And, uh, again, you know, uh, Lemont Williams and I, uh, broadcast for the last hour of the event, which was from five to six central time, uh, New Orleans time, uh, and it was just great. Lemont, you may remember, uh, was the one who brought me into the business 
Uh, first as his AFC East correspondent, later as his co-host before I got my own show uh, almost two years ago. And so it was great to be reunited with Lehman, and we were interviewing current and former uh, NFL players nonstop, including Orson Charles, tight end of the Cincinnati Bengals, lots of others. It was wonderful. Uh, all of it thanks to our Voice America sports director, Ray Ellis, and, of course, uh, President Jeff Spinard. So it's a great event. Uh, Voice America has a dominant presence, and it's really uh for me, it was the highlight of my week and, frankly, has been uh, the highlight of my four or five, of the last four or five Super Bowls that I've attended. And, uh, yeah, high energy, great event, and, uh, you know, one that I always look forward to on the Saturday afternoon before the Super Bowl. My bizarre story of the week is the Bruins trading goalie Tim Thomas to the New York Islanders yesterday. Not that it's bizarre that there's a trade, but just bizarre in the bizarre way that Tim Thomas's career ended here in Boston. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I ever really remember an athlete who's... Uh, whose career with a particular team, you know, ended much stranger than his. Of course, we all remember two years ago uh, when Tim Thomas was led the Bruins to the Stanley Cup. He was the most important player, period, on the ice. Uh, when the Conn Smythe is the MVP, deservedly so, and it was just uh, remarkable. He was, quote, the hot goalie, and he led him to the Stanley Cup. And then things got bizarre, where he, he it all started when he refused to go to the White House. He'd done a little few, everybody thought he was kind of a, quote, different kind of cat, the way many goaltenders are, uh, or and defensive backs or relief pitchers, you know. They're all of that same, uh, cut from a different cloth, shall we say. But when he refused to go to the White House, uh, that raised uh, not a few, a lot of eyebrows. And then it basically, uh, you know, started with some Facebook rants and some locker room interviews that were just, again, strange, maybe not quite bizarre, but certainly strange. And at that point, you know, everybody was just like, hmm, you know, keep in mind, the Bruins had a nice, solid backup goalie around for the last few years, took a rask, played well when he needed to. And then, of course, Tim Thomas just basically walked in one day and said, I'm done, and I'm just going to take a year off or whatever. And, you know, so good. For, and, and that was the final straw, deservedly so. Uh, again, no problem with Tim Thomas. He, we, everybody in Boston should have nothing but great, great, great memories uh, for the way he was so spectacular during that uh, Stanley Cup run. And, uh, you know, clearly time to part ways. He's better off. Bruins fans are better off. Bruins themselves are better off. With Tim Thomas having moved on, they got his $5 million off the salary cap books. Now they can just uh, move on, maybe sign some new players. They were not going to uh, – they, they weren't even paying him because he was, quote, suspended. So <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Bizarre. <laughs> I'm glad it's over. Lastly, my low light of the week is basically the – Somewhat negative tone surrounding Ole Miss's University of Mississippi, Ole Miss, having the huge 
day, signing the number one player in the high in uh, from high school football, uh, whose brother already attends Ole Miss, and then signing two of the uh, other top high school players. Uh, you know, so they seemingly come out of nowhere, and you know. No sooner did we get to uh, Tuesday evening signing day when there was just a lot of people, like, questioning whether or not they were dirty, so to speak. And, uh, you know, I guess my thought is, is this what college football has come to? Is this the current state of college football when a team basically, I don't say, that's the key, it comes out of nowhere. I don't see Ole Miss coming out of nowhere, number one. They're in the SEC. Number two, when I grew up, uh, I loved Ole Miss because I loved Archie Manning. We're going back <laughs> a few decades here. So, you know, Ole Miss has been on the map for a long, 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 long time. Obviously, Archie's son, Eli, went to Ole Miss, where he became a record-breaking quarterback and, as we know, has won two Super Bowls. And lastly, and most importantly, um, they have a new coach. So, you know, who's known for the, being this uh, hellacious recruiter. And, uh, you know, looks like he walked in and uh, on day one pretty much delivered. And as an afterthought, I have heard, I'm a huge college football fan, as you all know. I've listened, I grew up selling Cokes literally at Beaver Stadium. So I've always been curious since I grew, had the good fortune to grow up around such a fascinating place, college football hotbed. Where's the best place to watch college football? I have talked to experts, and I mean people deeply embedded in the sport who have been everywhere throughout their life. And the one thing that's always came back is the best place to watch a college football game is Ole Miss in Oxford, especially on Saturday night. They just said, uh, I guess, you know, the surrounding area is just spectacular. I think it's maybe something called like the Grove or whatever where the players walk through. Oh, yeah, and let's not forget Blindside, Michael Orr, uh, current new Super Bowl champion with the Baltimore Ravens. There's another aspect of the Ole Miss story. And, uh, I have been so intrigued by it. I, I actually was, had I had the time, was considering driving up to Oxford from New Orleans last week just to get a look at the place, but it was just a little too far. My schedule was a little too tight. But that's how intriguing Ole Miss has always been to me for decades, and I think many others. And, again, you know, it's not the swamp. It's not the Coliseum. It's not uh, the big house in Ann Arbor place where I've been told by many, many people, even last week, within the shadow of Death Valley up in Baton Rouge, within an hour, I had people who have grown up going to Saturday night games at LSU, again, maybe 1A on the best place to watch a college football game, who have said, well, yeah, yeah, Ole Miss, Oxford on a Saturday night, late afternoon, whatever, it's, it's it's just a better. It's the best experience in college football. So with that said, I think everybody should lay off Ole Miss. Maybe they maybe they, they do have some dirt under their fingernails, but, geez, you know, no sooner were they seen on ESPN high-fiving and hugging than, you know, basically people, many seem to be, you know, 
insinuating that something must be wrong here for them to have such a good recruiting day. So that said, and as my former co-host Lee Williams from outside the huddle likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond. Listen for The Comeback Radio Show with Tony Farmer. A lot of people believe what they read on the Internet, hear and see in the media, and on the news. We're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype. It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go. You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. And Barry, how are you doing today? Uh, okay, John, we're, uh, we're, we're braving out the storm and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, we're, uh, yeah, we're, we're in good shape. Thanks for having me as usual. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, uh, as we just discussed, you and I are both here located in the Boston suburbs, ready for, uh, what is already underway to a degree, uh, what by every account is going to be, uh, historic. Storm, blizzard, uh, by every uh, imaginable calculation. Uh, I've never seen such a 
slam dunk forecast in my life. Uh, we are officially, you and I, sitting in a state with a state of emergency, officially declared within the past hour by the governor. Mm-hmm. Interesting, what's already notable is just simply that he came within, you know, uh, semantics of basically forbidding or making it against the law to be on the road as of about an hour ago. He, he stepped mm-hmm. one step short of outlawing it, driving private citizens. But, boy, he, I, I, let's just say I wouldn't want to be on the road explaining to a policeman why I'm on the road if I didn't have a, an emergency reason. It, it, so it's it's pretty crazy. I was this morning, Barry, and you and I seem to be talking a lot about storms, given Superstorm Sandy. But, you know, I just went into downtown before this, there was hardly even a flake in the air, gas lines, you know, the grocery store looked like the day before Thanksgiving, traffic as crowded as I'd ever seen in this town, you know, so it's pretty wild. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, but, uh, you know, uh, this is this is part of the deal, uh, with, so we'll, we'll uh, get through it, and uh, it's going to be, you know, 40-something degrees by, by Tuesday, so... Hopefully, whatever we get, a lot of it will be melted by then, so we'll see. Yeah, well, you're down near the coast, and uh, I'm, I'm seeing, you know, I don't want to scare you, especially live on the air, but I'm sure you know this. They're talking 75, 75, 80 mile an hour winds. That's official, that's hurricane strength. Mm-hmm. Hitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so, uh, we can do about it, so we'll just, we'll just get through it. You're a cool customer. I'm impressed. <laughs> Most importantly, got to know your home safe and sound. And again, you know, it's like, I think it's going to be a fascinating, uh, you know, 24 to 36 hours. Uh, you know, it doesn't feel dangerous. It just feels like uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, we've yeah. been through it up here. Yeah, I, I think I'm much rather look at it this way than, uh, than being in the car. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, let's move on. Let's talk some sports. Uh what did you think of the Super Bowl? Let's start right there. It's really interesting how it really, it, it kind of was a, 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 you know, a story of two games almost. It was really, really bizarre how that, uh, how that power outage kind of, kind of shifted the, you know, the, uh, the paradigm there. It was really weird. Uh, you know, especially right after, uh, you know, the old second half back, run back for a touchdown, all of go out. And then, you know, what, what looked to be like a, like a romp for the Ravens, you know, suddenly turned into a close game. And, um, it was really, it was really kind of weird. And, you know, it was almost, you know, you, you even had, you know, uh, you know, people who were talking conspiracy theories come out and saying that, you know, this was planned, that, you know, the game was getting out of hand and they needed to be a close game, and, you know, which, which is, which is just, just craziness. But, you know, these are the kind of things that people were talking about. And I just thought it was, it was fascinating how the game just, just kind of, Right after that, it was almost like all the momentum and had gotten just stopped, and it gave the Niners a chance to kind of you know catch their breath, to kind of like you know step back and say, okay, you know let let's let's you know try to try to get back into this. And then it was amazing; it did everything just went the Niners' way after that, you know until you know until the very end. But, uh, but yeah, it, it turned into a, a terrific game. I mean, I think it's really funny that you know a game uh, that would you know that that was really on the on the cusp of you know turning off turning it off and looking at other things you know what else you have to do or you know let's uh you know let's concentrate on the Super Bowl party instead of the game itself 
and it just sort of turned real quickly and it uh you know it became you know i i think i don't think it's a stretch to say that it became almost an instant classic you know the way it turned out so so yeah it was a uh, it was really uh kind of fascinating to, to see the change in the game and you know and the, you know, the, end, the way the end of the game worked out and you know you know Chip Harbaugh you know complaining about you know there should have been a hold on the last play well Maybe there should, maybe there shouldn't. But I, I think if you're an official, I think the last thing you want is to, you know, be responsible for, you know, call it pretty much decide the game because if they had thrown a flag on that last on that last play, you know, then you have one more on time down, and if, you know, either a, a holding call or one more. I don't know. I just that's a really big spot to get to to expect a flag to be thrown. And, you know, was it a catchable ball? Probably not. But you know, there was definitely contact there. Listen, I mean, you, you can't call every penalty. So, uh, you know, and I, and I wasn't real keen on the way uh, Jim Harbaugh handled the whole loose game situation either. But, you know, that, that that's him, I guess. And, you know, uh, you know, congratulations to the Ravens. And it was just, you know, again, it's just, it's just kind of funny that, you know, at halftime or right after halftime, you know, it was, you know, really – Thought of as one of those one of the great Super Bowls, and automatically became one. So, uh, so yeah, it was, uh, it was certainly it turned out to be uh, a fun game to watch. Absolutely. Oh, spectacular! Well, I'll address you know first and foremost, you gotta love a, a Super Bowl that comes down to, you know, four plays inside the ten yard line under two minutes to go, and especially when it comes down to one play, that fourth down, and you know I just. To decide the Super Bowl, I thought it was just uh, as good as it gets. But first point on the blackout was uh, I was watching the game with some New Englanders, and just to show you how my mind works, first thing that popped into my head once I realized we were going to be going doing ha- having a few minute delay at minimum was you know, and this was before I even lived in New England, but I always remembered this was when Mike Torres pitching for the Red Sox in the 1978 playoff game versus the Yankees, threw a pitch that Bucky Dent fouled off, off his foot. And what ensued, and you'll remember this, Barry, you know this, I'm sure, you know, was a pretty lengthy delay as Bucky Dent sort of hobbled around, had to get a new bat, I believe. Um, you know, there was a, a significant delay. Um, threw Torres off his game, as we all know, the next pitch became the famous three-run homer. End of story. We all know the rest of the story. That's the first thing I thought of. I instantly said it to these two New Englanders uh, in the context of, you know, this is the best thing that ever happened to the 49ers. Guaranteed. That's exactly what I said. They would back me up on it, and I was absolutely right. They took over the game, and again, so I guess I would just say, you know, I think we've seen it before. It's not only Bucky Denton. It's not only last week's. Blackout Bowl, there's been other instances where, typically, an interruption is good, bad for the team on, on, on a roll, as it were, uh, and good for a team that basically just needs a break. And clearly, the Niners really, really needed a break. They were getting steamrolled in the wake of Jacoby Jones's 108-yard touchdown to open the second half kickoff return where basically everybody said it's over, including me. That's it. It's done. And then the blackout occurred a minute or two later. And again, just, you know, I thought, you know, you can't make that call 
on that fourth down for interference. I mean, you know, it, it just wasn't overly ridiculously blatant. Clearly, he held him. I saw one shot where it was a really good shot. I didn't see it a whole lot. I'm surprised, but it showed both of, you know, the Ravens' arms, both arms around, both arms of Crabtree. I mean, it was so, you know, easily make the case for interference, but easily, but just as quickly have to say, you just cannot make that call to decide a Super Bowl, period, end of story. It's just that simple. It was just too gray. It was, I wouldn't even call it obvious, certainly not blatant, but uh, it, it reflected the spirit of the game, which was basically let him play hardly any penalties the whole game, which was great. I loved it. Yeah, and, you know, like you say, and it's, and it's true. I mean, you, you, you hate to have any championship game in any sport, any situation come down to having the game decided on officials on an official's call. You know, nobody wants to see that. And, you know, I, I think the fact that there was no call on that actually speaks well of, of the officials because, you know, and I'm sure if you're the official, you know, in the end zone there, you know, it has to be on your mind as you see the way the game is going to play out, as you see the clock running down, as you see them moving down the field, as you see the possibility of, hmm, okay, you know, they're, 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 you know, they're going to be going for a sport here and, you know, and, you know, and, and, and I'm not saying that you, you know, if you're an official, you swallow your whistle on purpose. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is, you know, I don't think we ever want to see a situation where a game of that magnitude in any sport is decided, you know, by all either way. So, you know, I think it was poetic justice that it was not. And, you know, 49ers fans might, might disagree. I think Jim Harbaugh would certainly disagree. But, oh, yeah. Uh, he he yeah, had a good I, case. I don't blame him for arguing. He might have been a bit strong in the post game. I know what you're saying, but he had every right to argue the call, no question. Mm-hmm. Totally. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It would have been shocking if he didn't put it that way. Oh yeah, you know, of course he has to. But uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just saying that I'm 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 glad that it, that it didn't come to that. I think we all agree on that. Uh, totally agree. But you know, he had a good case. Put it that way. Oh yeah, he definitely had a good case. Absolutely. Very good case. Yeah, it was that close. Mm-hmm. It was oh, that yeah. close. Well, Barry, I think we're about ready to go to break, but before we do, just to follow up our earlier conversation for our listeners, this is really stunning to me. Just got an email, emergency email. Traffic will be banned from Massachusetts roads statewide as of 4 p.m. That's two and a half hours from now. Governor mm-hmm. Deval, Deval Patrick said at a news conference this afternoon, the order comes as the region faces... Two feet or more massive snowstorm, but holy cow, Barry! That's a first. That's a first in my decades here of living in Massachusetts, where literally traffic. If you're on the roads, it's, you're breaking the law after in two and a half hours. That is stunning. Yeah, that is. <laughs> that is, isn't it? I don't, I've never heard that ever. You know, ever, ever. Wow. That's a showstopper. Wow. So with that said, again, I'm in shock. I really am. Um, mm. That, that, that's something I've just have never seen, nor do I ever really remember seeing it. Uh, wow. And a perfect follow-up to what we were discussing a mere 15 minutes ago, that uh, he had just stopped short of declaring it a banning traffic, but now he has. And uh, with that said, Barry, we're going to go to our break. And I know you're sticking around on the other side, and we'll talk uh, a little more football as well as some other sports. All right. Sounds good. Thank you.
internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Do you feel the need for speed? Whatever your addiction, NASCAR, IndyCar, NHRA, Formula One, or even lawnmower racing, Pit Pass USA has got you covered. Larry Henry here, host of Pit Pass USA. I put my 30-plus years of being a motorsports broadcaster to work to bring you not only the best guests, but also the most interesting guests in racing. Pit Pass USA with Larry Hibbert, your front row seat to the world of racing. Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Channel. Be there or get a DNF. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. To join the show, the call-in number is one 888 Three four six nine one four four, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And on the line with us now still is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. And Barry, uh, we'll just continue on with a little bit more Super Bowl talk. Uh, yeah, so, you know, all credit goes to the Ravens. Uh, you know, they started out fast. They really... You got to give credit to them for making that goal line stand at the end. You know, you can say the 49ers, you know, had four plays inside the 10 with, you know, and, and didn't get in, but, you know, in the same light, especially when you give the look at the, the Ravens history as, you know, a defensive team, I thought it was a pretty fitting way. And obviously in the middle of it all, literally and figuratively, Ray Lewis playing his final game. I thought it was a pretty kind of, you know, cool and rather appropriate way for the uh, for the Ravens to win a Super Bowl. I really did. I liked it. Yeah, and, you know, of course, you know, the, the, the flip side to that is, you know, there was a lot of talk right after the game, and, you know, I'm not the first one to mention this, but, uh, you know, there was a lot of questioning the play calling of, of Jim Harbaugh. You know, yep. you, you, you know, you've had Colin Kaepernick basically running over defense of the whole second half of the season and running wild and, you didn't call one running play at the end on, you know, certainly, you know, one of your best weapons you didn't, you didn't use or you didn't utilize the best that you could. So, you know, they, they called a little heat for that and, you know, it was puzzling how, you know, that, that came to be that they chose to go that way. But, um, but that said, I agree that you certainly have to give, give the Ravens their due. And then, you know, Ray Lewis certainly, you know, went out on top because, you know, I'm listen, every, every, Every pro athlete wants to go out on top, you know. And, and if you if you, if you're retiring from the game and you know you you go you go out and you win a championship, you know there's, there's there's no better feeling in the world. So 
you know, kudos to him and kudos to the, to the Ravens. But, you know, again, I think you have to kind of look at the last sequence and kind of wonder why the 49ers chose, you know, not to, you know, trust uh, Colin Kaepernick to bring him home because, you know, that, that certainly was kind of done. Well, I agree, Barry. You know, I mean, again, you have, like, you know, the, the latest and greatest uh, player conducting the latest and greatest offense, the read option. And, you know, I myself, my entire life, when you get down to those, you know, got to make a play plays, I always have liked the option. I'm going back to when I was a kid where just, you know, where you just give the quarterback, you always have the quarterback, as we used to call it, of course, rolling out, and that's still what you mm-hmm. use, obviously, but, you know, rolling out so that he can, you know, theoretically pass run or, you know, in certain cases even, like, hand off. And I've never been a fan of, you know, when, especially, now we're talking fourth down, the Super Bowl on the line. I mean, as big a play as is possible in this football world. And I hated it because it was just over. You know, he steps back, he, you know, he throws the floater, and it's just over. And, like, everybody's just left, you know, sort of wondering what just happened. You know, both sides, really, fans. And I've never, you know, I, I, like, like I think any normal sports fan, I'm wanting to see this penultimate play last a couple seconds, you know. <laughs> and, you know, and to have the ultimate weapon conducting, you know, the the ultimate you know, latest and greatest in, uh, you know, play calling 2013, the read option with Kaepernick, and they don't use it, not only that play, but any of the plays, I, I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't. I mean, plus he had just shown moments, or, you know, minutes earlier, that fabulous speed when he, you know, burst in for a touchdown, when he clo- he went from the 20 to the goal line and, like, you know, it's like fast motion, like you'd see in a movie or something. It's crazy, the talent he has. Yeah, and, you know, I think we're, you know, we've only seen the tip of the iceberg in this guy. And, you know, imagine right. he's the, the, the future. And, you know, it's amazing, you know, for for a guy that, you know, kind of came out and, you know, didn't even start the season as as a starter. And, you know, but, you know, again, as you know, last week, he's not, not the first guy to kind of, you know, become, come out, come up role to to a Super Bowl it's happened several times before so um, so I, I think there's a he has a, a bright future ahead certainly and you know I, I'd be very surprised if uh, you know if, if you know he we didn't hear hear from Colin Kaepernick again I'm, I'm I'm quite certain we will and I'm quite certain he'll have a very you know nice NFL career ahead of him so uh, you know in in that regard you know there's 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 certainly a lot to be excited and certainly a lot to look forward to from him moving forward. Oh, he's great, and I had the good the, the pleasure of seeing him up close and personal in Foxborough back in December. So yeah, he, he's uh, you know he's special and potentially could uh, you know be the beginning of kind of you know not not reinventing the game as much as maybe you know uh, reinventing the position a bit with again that just sort of long lean body with that unbelievably strong arm and just special speed. Uh, the other thing. On your earlier point, Ray Lewis. I mean, basically, I think that, you know, I'll give him some credit that I think he probably, you know, maybe announced his retirement in the hopes that it would give his team the good swift kick it needed, his team that had lost four of its last five regular season games. Lewis, defying the odds, 
deer antler spray not included uh, returning from the tricep injury early and you know it worked i'll give him credit you know just it worked it just lifted that team up and uh you, you know they got that championship look and they they were on a mission it was clear i saw it up close and personal and Foxborough for the AFC title game. Uh, I'm always a big believer that, you know, you need some luck, call it whatever you will, but, uh, you know, the, the, the play in Denver will live forever, especially for Broncos fans and certainly for Ravens fans. It's, you know, like the tuck rule. It's like the immaculate reception. You know, the Hail Mary pass, Roger Starbuck to Drew Pearson. It, it falls in all of those categories. And, you know, as Dan Shaughnessy wrote in the Boston Globe, and, and he really caught it, you know, a defensive back that was flailing away for the Broncos and letting him get behind him. Uh, yeah, you know, crazy. He's, the, he's the Bill Buckner. Mm-hmm. Of Denver, period. And I think that just, you know, says it all. So, uh, you know, again, all credit to the Ravens. You know, I, I said on my show two days before the AFC title game, uh, as you well heard, Barry, just, you know, I felt it was the Ravens' time. I thought they were going to win uh, the game against the Patriots. I thought it was their time. That's the phrase, and I think that phrase is perfectly applicable. It was their time. They've been knocking at the door for a lot of years now, and this year they just kicked it down. They weren't going to be denied, and good for them. Yeah, and you know, I think they're one of those teams too that that kind of, in my mind at least, kind of you know, flew under the radar a little. Bit, you know, certainly late in the season, and even going right. into the playoffs. I mean, because I mean, look at teams that, that you had there. I mean, certainly, you know, Tom Brady and the Patriots are always a force to be reckoned with in the postseason. You had the Broncos and, and Peyton Manning. And, and to me, I, I, I honestly thought the Broncos would, would go to the Super Bowl and, 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 and perhaps win it. Um, that was my feeling going in. So to me, you know, the Ravens, you know, it certainly as the playoffs began, you know, you, it was, you know, you could make a case for almost overlooking them in a way. Uh, you know, certainly they were good. Certainly they had the pedigree to win, but you know, I just didn't really, really see them as, as going that far. And, you know, I think a big reason for that, I mean, the defense that we, you know, we haven't even mentioned Joe Flacco yet and, and what he had. And uh, we talk about historic. I mean, that was a historic run that, that he had. I mean, 11 TDs, no picks. I mean, that's, that's, that's historic stuff, and you know, and it, 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 it's funny. You you heard a lot of about you know Flacco. You know, and we talked about this last week on the show. Um, you know, years ago, you know, Eli Manning is the guy. Well, he's the elite quarterback, and you know, the guy goes on to win the Super Bowl, and of course. And now this year it seemed to be Joe Flacco was the guy that everybody was talking well, is he an elite quarterback? And you know, is it kind of kind of a kind of a silly argument, but, you know, this is the kind of things that people talk about. But he has certainly proven, you know, with the playoff run that he had, he certainly deserves to be spoken of, you know, in the same, you know, breath as, you know, as the great quarterbacks that are, that are active right now. You know, your, your Rodgers, your Brady's, your, your Mannings, and, and what have you. Um, you know, he, he's just terrific. And, you know, again, you know, kind of, you know, outplaying the expectations and kind of, you know, Maybe surprising some people along the way, and you know, but there are people that you know follow him, follow him very closely. That will tell you that they weren't surprised. But you know, I think for most of us, you know, that are you know outside of Baltimore and you know didn't watch them that closely until until the final playoff run, um, you know, it, it was 
not so much a surprise, but more of, of, a, of a confirmation that, you know, this guy certainly deserves his place among, you know, the top quarterbacks in the game. And then certainly he'll be, he'll be rewarded come, come contract time. And he made it, made, made quite a statement of the way he, uh, he played and the way he led his team to, uh, to win the Super Bowl. So congratulations to Joe Flacco too. Yes, and interestingly, I'm glad you brought up Joe Flacco, MVP of the Super Bowl. Uh, interestingly, I have met Joe Flacco's agent, Joe Linta, and America has gotten familiar with Joe Linta here in the last uh, uh, week or so. Um, and, then, and it will continue to be, to, to be as we move along. Yeah, and it's a good story. And I say this because Joe Linta is, you know, uh, an agent based up here in New Haven, Connecticut, and uh, New Englander. And, yeah, so a couple years ago, a neighbor invited me down to an event staged by Joe Linta, a charity event. I went down, met him, liked him. He was great. Met a lot of people from his company, and I'd also met him before, actually, on Radio Row a couple years ago at the Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, but Joe, Joe Flacco was his marquee client, his biggest name client, to my knowledge. Uh, and, you know, we're going back a few years. Joe Linta has been Joe Flacco's agent since the beginning. And here's a nice part of the story is, you know, Joe Flacco's star rose. He stuck with Joe Linta. Uh, and Joe Linta's agency grew, is my understanding, you know, but Joe Flacco remained, you know, the biggest name. But until, you know, recently, not the biggest name, if you know what I'm saying, in the galaxy of NFL quarterbacks, sports stars, all of it. So just two two guys forging ahead together with a nice relationship from everything I could see and hear. And, boy, here they are on top of the world. Clearly they both took a risk when they did not go for a contract extension. They basically jointly decided to play out the season. And, wow, here they are sitting on – Sitting on the jackpot potential, uh, the Ravens just have to pay him. Here's my prediction. My prediction is $18 million. Uh, Peyton Man- Drew Brees gets around 20 Manning's around 18 Brady's around 16 I just don't think he's going to get 20 Maybe 19 No, I, that's what I'll say, 19 I think he's going to become the second highest paid uh, quarterback in the NFL. I give Joe Linta all the credit in the world. 48 hours ago for just making the bold statement, Joe Flacco deserves to be the highest-paid quarterback in football, period. Generated huge publicity. I heard him interviewed on a number of outlets, and it was just a statement. It was an attention-getting statement with, really, a lot behind it. You can't argue with Flacco, Super Bowl, MVP, 11 touchdowns, no picks, most road win playoff wins in the history of the NFL. That's some pretty compelling stuff to land uh, the contract of a lifetime. And so we'll see how it unfolds. But my, my prediction: nineteen million. See what happens. A year. Yeah, I mean, you know, he made a case that that, he's, that he should be thought of as you know in level. You know, there's there's no question about that with. With the season he put together and the postseason run he made, you know, it would be really hard to argue. So, and I think you, I think we could also argue that his value right now is the highest ever. He will certainly so far in oh, his yeah. career, but but you know, you know, you're you're 
you know, you're, you're, you're at the height of your bargaining power after you win a Super Bowl. So, you know, the, t- the timing is good, and um, you know, timing couldn't be better. So you know, I, I, would be, I would be shocked if, uh, if uh, you know, he didn't, you know, try to go for as, as much as he can because, you know, your, your value is right now the highest it's ever going to be. It's never, it's, he's never going to be in this position again uh, as far as, you know, making the jump you know, to, to, you know, to these, these kind of levels of, of, of contrast. Because think about it, you know, say he does, you know, get, you know, 19 or you know, whatever, um, you know, if he does go on to win another Super Bowl, you know, he'll probably get another raise, but it will never be to the magnitude of, of this one. So you, you, you can make the case that this is his, you know, this is his, his, uh, uh, his big moment as far as, you know, securing the future as, and as far as, you know, uh, seeing, you know, what, you know, what, what he can get. So, I mean, and then this is the way the game works. So, you know, I would be, I would be, uh, you know, I would expect that, uh, that this were to happen at this phase. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's the greatest, uh, it's the greatest timing in maybe sports history. It just doesn't get any better than this. When you, again, Super Bowl MVP with those spotless statistics in the postseason, bolstered by his, you know, career postseason statistics. It's the it's the all-time number one bargaining position. And, again, uh, good for Joe Linta for just putting it right out there. Highest-paid quarterback ever, period. That's it. And that's where we start, and we'll see where they finish. Uh, so, yeah, again, Super Bowl week, nothing like it. Uh, it is truly America's greatest sports event Uh and I feel very fortunate to have had a chance to be down in New Orleans and experience a lot of it firsthand. But there are, it is now time, sadly, to move on to some other sports. Uh, and for me, you know, on the way to New Orleans, Sunday a week ago, 12 days ago, I'm in a JetBlue flight. We're all watching sports, of course. It's a lot of media. It's all Boston people headed direct to New Orleans. And the news came about Rondo, ACL, torn, out for the season. There was, it was a moment where there was like a palpable gasp within the airplane from all the Boston sports media that were, again, on their way to New Orleans. And, uh, you know, it, it couldn't have got any more low. I mean, it, it, we were all saying, like, oh, this is a horrible way to start Super Bowl week, and at least we're not in Boston to have to experience this downer. Well, now they've won six in a row, including an absolute blowout of the Lakers last night. What are your thoughts about, Barry, both Rondo, the Celtics, and the Lakers? I think that, you know, I think the Celtics kind of, you know, dug themselves a big hole, obviously. I mean, you know, even after their six-game losing streak, they're still, you know, seventh in the Eastern Conference, and, you know, there's a lot of teams in front of them, but, you know, the fact they've made up some ground, and, you know, there are three games over 500, that's a good thing. Um, the other good thing they have going for them, unlike the NHL uh, this year, you know, it's a long season in the NBA. I mean, they've played, uh, what, 40, 49 games, so... You know, you're, you, you are, uh, you know, past the halfway point, but still, they still have time. Uh, that's, that thing they have going for them. Uh, the thing they don't have going for them, obviously, is, is losing Rondo, which is a great talent. I don't know if you can replace Rondo. Um, you know, so it'll be real interesting to see, even though they've, they've picked it up and they have one six in a row, you know, you know can they do it without it? You know, 
see. I mean, again, it's a, it's a long season, and, you know, you're going to have runs in the NBA, you know, that always have. So, uh, you know, we just, we just, you know, need to see where this is going to go. One interesting thing about the Celtics that, uh, you know, looking at the standings, if you look at their average points for and average points against, uh, they're averaging 96 points a game offensively, 96.0, giving up 96.0. Again, so it's kind of a, a statistical oddity there. You don't see that happening very often. So, uh, yeah. A lot so, of tight games, right? Yeah, so all tight games, and that would tell you that they should be close to a 500 team, which they are. So, yeah. uh, you know, statistically that, that, that does work out. But if you look at the standings, you know, they're really, you know, yeah, they're seven point three games, uh, so, you know, it's, it's very tight. And, you know, they're four and a half games out of third place. So, you know, are the Pacers going to keep it going? Yeah, it's all hard to say. Uh, are the Knicks going to keep it going? Hard to say. Um, the Nets, you know, we'll see. They're, they're kind of unknown too. So, you know, it, there, there, there is time for them. Um, again, tough, tough without Rondo. Um, as far as the Lakers go, you know, wow, what, a, I mean, we're, we're kind of seeing, uh, right before our eyes. And, uh, you know, it's certainly been a rough start for the Mike and Tony era. And, uh, you know, what are they going to do with Talbot Saul? And there's a, a lot of hand-wringing, uh, you know, on the West Coast, you know, that, uh, you know, Lakers fans certainly expect more from their team at this, at this point. Um, you know, they're giving up more than 100 points a game, so their 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 defense play isn't anywhere close to what it needs to be. And you know, uh, you could almost expect that. You know, once they named D'Antoni, I think it surprised a lot of people. You know, we all thought that the, you know we mentioned this on the show too, and um, you know, a lot of people talked about this. You know, I think people were that Phil Phil Jackson was not rehired uh, to coach the Lakers. I mean, that, that seemed to be a done deal from, from everything we were hearing that. You know, all they had, all he pretty much had to do was, was agree to it. But at the minute they changed course and hired Mike Dantini, which, which was really kind of shocking, actually. Uh, but, you know, it's not shocking that, you know, not playing the kind of defense he play. You know, Dantini's teams, you know, certainly the teams with the Knicks were not known for their defense either. So, um, you know, but so that, that is a surprise. You know, uh, having Steve Stephen Shout injured is, 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 you know, you know, that certainly hurt them too. But you know, let's face it, I mean, the Lakers are not a young team either. I mean, between Kobe and Nash and, and uh, you know, Meta World Peace, the former Ron Artest and Gasol, you know, they got some years on them. Oh, oh yeah. You know, kind of, oh, yeah. you're kind of wondering where the, you know, where the youth is going to come from and, and if any of the young guys, you know, the, 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 the Blakes and what have you, if, if they can step up. And, you know, so far that hasn't really happened. But, you know, again, it is a long season, but, you know, I certainly, Certainly, the, the 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 picture. You know, if you're just going to compare, say, the Celtics and Lakers, who who, will, who are both just happen to be the two teams you're talking about right now. Certainly, the, the the picture is a lot brighter. The prognosis is a lot brighter for the Celtics than it is for the Lakers. I mean, you know, you're four games under 500. You're uh, you know, four games out of a playoff spot, and uh, you know, again, a lot of teams in front of you, and a lot of teams playing better than you are. Uh, you know, certainly in the West. So, you know, I think certainly. You know, the Lakers' days as a as a power in the Western Conference, as, as we know them, I, I I think this run is over. Uh, and they go well, have agree, to re, retool and reinvent themselves. So you know, it'll be well, real interesting to see how they do that. It will be Barry, and hard to believe that we're at the end of our show once again. Thank you for your perspective. Uh, my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing, given it's a blizzard. In an hour, I'm going to start to watch the Pebble Beach Pro Am. From California, I think that'll make that'll warm me up a bit. And uh, with that said, 
It's time to call it a show. Thank you for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.